0: This is The Sports Academic, a podcast that dives into sports and its greatest stories with your host, Rohan Hardas. Hi everybody, welcome to today's episode of The Sports Academic, and I want to share with you the chance I got to spend an evening, listen to, and learn from the great George Raveling. For those of you who don't know who George Raveling is, he played at Villanova from 1957 to 1960. He was one of the first African-American men to receive a scholarship to play sports at Villanova. And... After his playing career in college, he went on to the NBA for a couple years, but in 1963, he would return to his alma mater and be a coach as an assistant from 1963 to 1969. In 1969, he went to take the assistant coaching job at Maryland under Lefty Dreisel, who is currently still one of his best friends and mentors. After a stint in Maryland, Ravling went out west to Pullman, Washington and became the head coach of the Washington State Cougars. He coached there from 1972 to 1983. In 1983, he left for a three-year stint in Iowa before returning to the Pac-12 in 1986 to coach USC until his retirement in 1994. Alongside his coaching career in college, he was the assistant coach of the U.S. Men's Olympic team that won gold in 1984 and bronze in 1988. That team consisted of Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Steve Alford, Chris Mullins, and Sam Perkins, just to name a few players. Um, After his Olympic career and his retirement from basketball, George Ravling was inducted to the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2013, the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2015, and currently, he's the Global Director of Basketball for Nike, and what he says is the most important thing about him, or the thing he holds dear to him, is that he's the original holder of Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, which is an incredible story that I'll tell you. So, George Ravling was in Washington the day that Dr. Martin Luther King was supposed to give his speech, and one of the officers asked Raveling and a teammate if they wanted to be security guards for Dr. King. Jumping at the opportunity, they said yes, and since they were both large basketball players, they were positioned next to Dr. King to provide additional security. After he gave the speech, instinctually, George Raveling asked Dr. King, may I please have your notes? And without any hesitation, Dr. King folded up the piece of paper, gave George Raveling the notes, and that was that. Um, It wasn't until a couple years later when many people started wondering what had happened to the notes that... They found out George Ravling had it. And many people have given a lot of offers. Most of them have been around two to three million, some of them as high as six. He had many people appraise the document, and a lot of them said that the document is priceless. And he believes the document itself is priceless, and that is why he refuses to sell it. And no matter how much people are offering him, he's not he said he's not gonna sell it. He wants to keep it as a piece of history and more than likely will give it to a museum later on in his lifetime. But back to a little bit more. About that evening we met, he was at USC to give a speech on relationships and how to build long-lasting relationships, and also he wanted to touch up on how important he thinks learning is, is his relationship with Michael Jordan and how Michael Jordan ended up being a Nike athlete. The story goes as follows: Coach traveling was Michael Jordan's coach in the nineteen eighty four Olympics, and all throughout his college career, Jordan was adamant about signing with Adidas once he entered the NBA. While many people have tried to convince Jordan otherwise. He was very firm in his belief that no matter what happens, like, I will be an Adidas athlete. That's what he wanted to do. He always liked their style. So a bunch of George Ravling's friends actually worked at Nike at the time, and they were trying to get George Ravling to convince Michael Jordan to become a Nike athlete. And this is where the relationship building comes in, because after months and months of knowing each other and building a good relationship with each other, Ravling was able to convince Jordan to at least take a meeting with the Nike executives. So when they had an off day in Los Angeles during the Olympic training, Michael Jordan said to Raveling that he would go and take the meeting, but not to expect anything because no matter what Nike would offer him, Jordan was very convinced that Adidas would match it because they were very adamant on Jordan being their client. So as the story goes, Jordan would go to the meeting with the Nike executives and Nike had a radical offer. They said they were going to make Michael Jordan the face of the brand. They were going to make him his own signature shoe and that no other company was going to match it. Jordan, in sight, thought that no matter what Nike did, Adidas would match it. So he went and he took the offer sheet to Adidas with the concept of the signature shoe, and they actually didn't accept it. They said that they weren't going to compromise the Adidas brand because no athlete at the time had a signature shoe, and they weren't sure if Michael Jordan should have been the first one. So long story short, then Michael Jordan would end up signing with Nike and creating the first Nike signature shoe, which got fined for a couple seasons before the NBA would finally allow it to happen. But that's where George Raveling says is one of his best relationships was the fact that they were able to change together. They were able to change the basketball landscape because they knew each other and Jordan trusted George Raveling that he wouldn't lead him down the wrong path. And who knows what would have happened if they didn't have such a good relationship and Michael Jordan would have been an Adidas athlete instead of a Nike athlete. It totally could have changed how the basketball landscape plays out in the long run does Nike become as big of a company? Does Adidas take over as a basketball juggernaut? So a lot of big things happened because of the relationship they had together. And to this day, Raveling and Jordan joke about who took a chance on who. Did Michael Jordan take a chance on Nike by going to the meeting and finally accepting the offer? Or did Nike take a chance on Jordan by giving him the opportunity to become the first athlete who had a signature shoe? The reason I love this story and its relationship towards what Coach Raveling talked about is that... The way they got to know each other was organically just through basketball, but Coach Raveling is a very personable person, and he always wanted to know more about you. He always, he genuinely was a person who cares about you and was more than willing to learn, so he knew what Jordan wanted, and he, he wouldn't pester him, but he, he strongly suggested, and eventually Jordan was able to cave in a little bit and take Raveling up on his advice, which turned out to be probably one of the best decisions he's ever made. The overarching theme of the lecture that night was relationship building and education. And Raveling said there are two really main relationships that you'll ever have in your life. Number one, and the most important, is the relationship you have with yourself. You have to know yourself, know what you stand for, your morals, your ethics, your values. Because if you don't know yourself, you will truly never get to know anybody else, which is the second main relationship, is your relationship with others. Because Coach Raveling knew himself very much to his core, he knew exactly what he was about, he was able to learn. More about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was able to open up to him, and together they were able to create a partnership that has lasted over the course of the last 30, 40 years. So, relationships are very important, but knowing yourself is the most important thing that Ravelin could suggest. And he tells a story about Kobe Bryant and how not many people at that age knew much about themselves like Kobe Bryant did. And the story is about when Kobe was actually at, started with Nike. And high tops were the big fashion trend that was going around in basketball shoes. So, when Kobe first joined Nike, he signed the deal to make his signature shoe. And when he was touring the factory, all the Nike executives were showing him all the high tops they had made for him. So, the first sets of Kobe high tops. But a little bit later on, after the high tops, he decided that he didn't want to wear high tops anymore. He wanted to wear low tops. He thought they were nicer, he thought they were more comfortable, and he wanted to switch. Nike executives were not happy because they felt like nobody would wear low tops. There wasn't very much of a market for them, but Kobe believed in himself and he believed in the way he could change the culture about how people viewed his shoes. So he was very adamant about Nike wearing or creating the low tops, I should say, and he didn't want to wear the high tops anymore. And sure enough, when the Kobe low tops came out, they were a very big success and it opened up a brand new revenue stream for Nike and it opened up a new channel of more creative designs that Nike didn't even think they knew about. So, in terms of believing in yourself, George Ravling says that not many people at a very young age had the confidence in themselves, like Kobe did, to go to a big company like Nike and tell them, I'm not going to do this because I think we can do something better. On top of his signature shoes, Kobe also had the foresight to see something that many other people did not see. So, in 2003, LeBron James signed with Nike as an 18-year-old, and... A little bit later, a couple of years, when LeBron was a bit more of an established player, Kobe had the foresight to think, let LeBron James have the North American market and let Kobe have the Asian market. Because Kobe saw the potential in Asia in terms of a Nike market for shoes, it was untapped in the sense that there were not many, very many Asian players in basketball in the NBA besides Yao Ming and a few others at the period in time. So Kobe felt like there was a lot of people who could be drawn to basketball that just weren't exposed to it yet. So Kobe wanted to become the face of basketball in China. And sure enough, besides Yao Ming, Kobe Bryant to this day is probably still the most popular athlete in China because of how well he was able to market himself and how well he was able to present the basketball image to a new area. And that's what Coach Ravling says about relationships. Kobe had such a good relationship with the Nike executives. He was able to say, hey guys, Trust that LeBron will be able to capture the North American market just fine. I want to go over and explore the Asian market and be able to learn more about their culture so I can expand my image. So Kobe was always thinking, he always wanted to learn, he was always curious, and that's what George Raveling loved about the way he handles his relationships. Raveling says that relationships require time, creativity, energy, and equity, and that some of the most important characteristics of relationships relationships include trust, commitment, respect, sincerity, and a willingness to listen, no matter who they are talking to or about. He always mentions the statement, is there anything I can do for you, whenever he's talking to a friend or someone new he meets or someone he wants to meet in the future. Because co-traveling is a true believer of that, I want to help you genuinely because if I don't want to help you, I we're not going to be able to grow together and I'm not going to be able to learn from you, you're not going to be able to learn from me. So he truly believes that, When he says, what can I do for you? And he also made a point to note that whenever you offer help for someone, don't offer it not wholeheartedly. Be prepared that if the person does ask you for help, that you have to go help them because you offered. He is a man of his word and he always wants to instill that value into the people he works with that. Make a commitment to other people and trust in them because one day you may need their help and you want them to be there for you like you were there for them. After his discussion on building relationships, he mentioned two things. The first is the number 86,400, and the second is the fact that he never eats alone. There are 86,400 seconds in a day, and he believes that we should spend as many of those seconds learning from other people or from books, which is why he never eats alone. He believes that he can gain something from every interaction he has with people. George Ravling is 81 years old now, and throughout his life, he said he has learned more from people and books than he has on his own. He has mentors in his life and he has people underneath him who he calls his partners, not his workers, because he believes that they are all in the same playing field and they could both benefit from being with each other. He never has lunch alone because who knows what the other person he's having lunch with has to offer you. And by eating alone, you will miss out on the chance of A, good conversation, but B, you will miss out on an opportunity to pick someone's brain, something you're interested in, or maybe you can learn something new about someone and make a new friend. So those two topics build into the overarching theme he has that education is important and is a fundamental right that we all somewhat take advantage of and we need to stop taking advantage of. He tells a little anecdote that his grandmother used to tell him. During the plantation era in the South, many of the slave owners would keep their money in books on bookshelves because they knew slaves would not go up to the books and grab them because many slaves didn't know how to read from that point on when raveling heard that story he took reading to his core and he always wanted to learn from books because he never wanted to be in the position that someone could take advantage of him because he is misinformed and to this day he tries to read multiple books a week and he has written two books about the art of rebounding And education, like I said earlier, is something that is very important to him, and he wants to ensure that everyone around him learns a lot. During his coaching career, he wanted his athletes to not live with each other, and he wanted them to live with other students. Because when you step outside your comfort zone and you're not with people you know, you can learn more about other people's habits, their tendencies, but more importantly, you can learn more about who they are as a person. And out of that, you can have lifelong friendships, relationships, and You can learn something about subjects that you might not have known you were good at or might not have known you even care for. And the concept of education translates very well directly into sports. In the off-seasons, Kobe Bryant would train with Hakeem Olajuwon when he was younger because Kobe wanted to have as good of footwork as Hakeem because he knew that When your physical attributes regress with age, your footwork can still be there and you can still work on positioning that will make you a better player. So Kobe looked at his mentors. He wanted to emulate Akeem. He wanted to emulate Jordan. And then same thing with LeBron. LeBron had the people he looked up to. And many of the current generation of players want to have that curiosity, that thirst for learning and education that Kobe had. And they want to exercise that with him. Many players, including... Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Kyle Kuzma, and Giannis Antetokounmpo have worked out with Kobe over the summer, and many people plan on in the future. Guys like Trey Young and Luka Doncic are some of the examples of some of the young, st- young players in the league who want to get better and are craving that success that the people in front of them have. When asked about who the, face, the best people that represent Nike were, Raveling mentions LeBron, Kobe, and Jordan, because all three of them are phenomenal athletes. All have over- overcome adversity, Jordan with the death of his father during his playing career, Kobe with everything that has happened in his youth, and LeBron growing up in a very poor area with a hit without a father and having to try and defy all the odds for not just him, but the people around him as well. And the commonality between all three of those athletes is, besides the fact they are all very high achieving, all of them wanted to be better. None of them were willing to settle for mediocrity, all of them had higher goals they wanted to attain, and... He thinks that all of them learn from the one before them. So Kobe learned a little bit from Jordan. LeBron learned a little bit of Kobe. Now the next generation of players are learning things about LeBron. If you ask many kids who their favorite players in the NBA are, a lot of them in my generation would say Kobe Brown or LeBron James, just depending on where you grew up or how old you are. But all of them have a desire to learn and grow as a people, which is very important to George Raveling. And he wanted to note that Outside of basketball is where a lot of them have made major contributions. Kobe Bryant is right now trying to be a very successful multi-platform star. He won an Oscar for his uh, animated short film, Dear Basketball, and is also a keynote investor in Body Armor Sports Drink, a recent acquisition of Gatorade. And LeBron James, on the more fundamental level, not necessarily business, although he is a very good business investor, is a very charitable man. He started the I Promise School in Akron, Ohio that gives GED programs to struggling adults. It gives children bicycles, uniforms, a structured place to be so they don't have to be in the streets of Ohio like LeBron was. And he wanted to create a safe place for these kids to grow up because LeBron's childhood was not easy at all. He was always kind of struggling and he wanted to be, he wanted to be able to make sure that other kids are not in that situation. So education is something that all of these stars did not take advantage of. And Ravling was very adamant to discuss about how important he thought education was and how he is proud that future stars are investing in these types of education. After the lecture ended, I had the privilege of speaking to him privately and asking him some questions about the game he loves and the game he finds so fond. The very first question I asked him is, what do you think about the one and done rule in college basketball? I know a lot of people, it's a very hot button issue. A lot of people say make them stay for a few years. A lot of people say let them go prep to pro straight from high school. Raveling thinks that many players have the ability to play right out of high school. And in fact, like mentioned earlier, Kobe and LeBron, and then there have many, been many other examples of guys like Kevin Garnett, Dwight Howard, J.R. Smith, many players have come, Tracy McGrady have come out of high school. But Ravling believes that a lot of these players who do come straight out of high school will lack the maturity and not necessarily possess the financial skills to be able to operate as a kid with A lot of money for the first time in their career because many of the many athletes go broke within the first few years of retirement so he's not a fan of the one-and-done rule he wants people to take education seriously and he wants them to be able to study more and learn more another question i got to ask him afterwards was what does he think about the state of youth basketball more specifically the aau circuit leading up to high school and to be honest, he was he said he wasn't very much of a fan of the way youth basketball works because players are playing year round, they're playing multiple games at multiple multiple days and A, he doesn't know how good it is for the human body development, but B, he thinks that kids are focusing more on sports and less on school and he's worried that maybe we will have a generation one day that cares significantly more about sports than they do school and while Raveling is an athlete himself, he like he's I've said before, he values education to a very high degree and is worried that many of these young players might not think education is important and they might be too sure of their athletic ability, which could come back and bite them one day. I also was able to ask him what he thought about the current state of the NBA right now with the way many teams are playing. And he said he loves the unselfish basketball play style of the Golden State Warriors. He loves how free flowing it is. He thinks that it's a great way to play with people being unselfish, they're moving the ball around, they're always trying to take a good shot, but instead pass it up the good shot for a great shot, which is something that you're seeing more and more of each day with teams scoring more, ball movement increasing. There are very few teams that play strict isolation basketball anymore, which is a good thing for the sport because Raveling things, if you share the ball, then you're more than likely going to be able to win more games. If you're able to out-rebound and out-pass every other team you play, more than likely your team is going to be in a position to succeed, which is why, as a coach, he always emphasized that rebounding and passing were two of the most important attributes he wanted his team to have because he felt those were two of the very most necessities to be able to stay competitive. Your shots aren't going to fall every single time, every single night, but if you're able to consistently out-hustle and out-rebound the other teams, you are able to be able to put yourself in a position to at least compete no matter the circumstances. And the last thing I was able to ask him was, what does it mean to be a Basketball Hall of Famer? And he was he was very proud of the accomplishment, and rightfully he should be. He is an incredible man. And He said that it's one of his best accomplishments because of the fact that he loves the game so much, and he's just thankful that he's able to work with the game as long as he could, and the fact that he was able to become a Hall of Famer was just the icing on the cake. But the game has given a lot to him, he said, and he was able that he wants to give it back. And... That's, I think that's pretty powerful with a man who's accomplished as much as he had. Just taking it back to the root that this is a game we play as kids and the fact that he's been able to do that for almost his entire life is something that he will never take for granted. Overall, there were many great takeaways I learned from George Ravling that night about how to build a relationship and being open to learn and not to take things for granted because a relationship can end at any instant. So don't be so quick to burn a bridge just because you think to move on to better opportunities. You never know when you're going to need that person again. And if you burn the relationship, you might not be able to go back to that spot in your life. And also on learning, he says that we only have, we have 86,400 seconds in a day. Why would we waste time being mad? Instead, we should go out, learn something, do something that makes us uncomfortable, be able to grow as a person. Raveling is encouraged with the curiosity of many of the young athletes and how they are willing to learn and they have that thirst for knowledge. So He's not worried about the state of athletics in the sense. He just wants to make sure that everybody is continually growing to try and become a better person. Coach would always say these two things every morning. And he says, I have two choices today. I can either choose to be happy or very happy because we only have 86,400 seconds in a day. And I will not spend time being mad at someone or something. Instead, I will try to be happy and I will try to learn more and grow as a person. So... I hope you guys enjoyed the recap of Raveling. Um, please definitely look more into him as I think he is a very influential man and something we could all, someone we could all learn a lot from. I will put his social media handles in the description as well as my own. Thank you all for listening to this episode of The Sports Academic and tune in next time to see what I have in store for you guys. Thank you.